Good morning and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. Hi, Stacey. How are you? Morning, John. I am doing well. I am I am home still, like I think everybody else, um, here in North Carolina. It's a little bit of rainy weather, and I've got neighbors who have decided to redo their yard next door, so hopefully we don't get interrupted. But if you hear a little grumbling or growling in my background, that's what's from machinery in my yard. But how about you? Are you guys getting some clear, you know, air finally in, in the, the Bay Area? Are you guys starting to actually feel like, like it's a little bit more normal at the moment? Or how are things going on your end? Well, yeah, we're headed back to a time when it's just pandemic, social collapse, and yeah. economic failure, you know. So, so back <laughs> to normal is exactly what yeah. it's like. Except um, if, you, if you are out in a place where you don't have filtered air, your eyes burn all the time. Um, it's like, you know, I, if I would okay. invest in Visine stock. I would totally invest in rising stock. <laughs> Very good call for anybody. How long do they anticipate that it's going to be like that for you guys? I mean, did they give have any timeline, or is it just un, you know until the wildfires are are under control? Because I mean, this this stuff hangs around for a little while even after that, right? Yeah, I don't. I haven't heard any great predictions. They, there there isn't much science to predicting air quality after wildfires, and um, traditionally. The wildfire season starts about now, so wow. yeah. um, so and, and and things burn through November till the rain starts, and um, it's not November yet, and so so yeah. there's no telling how this is going to go, but but people here are bracing for more fire. Gotcha. Okay. Well, 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 we'll be we'll be thinking about you. Send good thoughts your way and. And uh, there won't be traveling this year, so there won't be any of the uh, hurried packing to get home as you've had to do in past years from HR Tech because we'll both be doing HR Technology Conference virtually from our home offices, but it's still being held the last week in October. We're both doing keynotes at it. So uh, a little different um, cycle this year, but still a lot of the same stuff too. So, yeah, it'll hopefully um, it'll be a little bit easier for you at least. Yeah, we've got some sort of little HR technology powerhouse thing going on here. That's that, that's that's you can get previews of all the good juicy stuff by just listening in every week. There you go. Yes, we have we have been discussing some of the things that we're going to be going to be putting down in in key themes because both of us are sort of working on our papers right now, and it's really hard not to sort of talk about that stuff when you're working on it. So. We might cover a couple of things today, even that that are that are in our reports and are will be um, hot off the press news as, um, here in the next couple of weeks. So, yes, uh, very good point for everybody if they want to take some time to listen to us and get some of the early uh, insights. Uh, you're you're writing, I'm writing. We're both sort of burning the midnight oil, so you might be a little bit. Both of us might be a little bit slap happy over the next couple of weeks, but um, you're working right now on what you think sort of. HR really is is deciding its most important thing in in their world at this point, right? I mean, that's a lot of the conversation you've been having around artificial intelligence and how it's going to be sort of thinking a little bit about the future, right? Well, well, so so let's let's take that apart a little bit at a time. The um, I I am putting a great deal of effort, and and it may be the most exciting project I've ever worked on in building complex 
ethics advisory boards for companies. Um, and, and I've got a couple of these projects running. And the idea is to introduce the voices of people who are not usually heard into the design and administration processes for companies that offer AI in our space. And, mm-hmm. and what, it, what it turns out is that that's a safety issue, right? If you, if you peel back all of the stuff about AI, what it really boils down to is a safety issue. Does the technology increase or decrease the level of hassle that people feel? Um, um, because that's safety. And, and when I go and look at what's happened to HR this year, the transformation is pretty intense and it's been pretty quick and not all of the historical practitioners understand this yet, but HR's primary focus has become safety. And right after safety, it's become health. And, you know, since the late 90s, we haven't really had a big emphasis on safety and health in HR because the workplace has become mostly service and white-collar businesses. And you don't have the, if you go to work, you might come home without one of your arms kind of problem that we had when everybody worked in factories. When everybody worked in factories, everybody knew that HR's first job was health and safety. It was easy. It was easy because because you can't have a workplace that isn't safe and healthy, and we lost sight of that in the information revolution. So this year was a rude awakening for a lot of HR people that these fundamental things, health and safety, come before anything else. You you can't pay people to do work if they go to work and they get dead from it or they get um, injured from it. And with the pandemic, the workplace has become a highly risky place for people to go. That's why we're at home. We're we're working at home because it's safer. Um, So so safety has become a primary concern, even though it wasn't a year ago. And, and I think unpacking this a little bit, right, there, there's, some, there's a couple of really good examples of what's happened here. I mean, there's no doubt that, you know, the, the Midwestern meatpacking plants that we saw, you know, sort of go through the rapid sort of um, awareness of how quickly coronavirus was, was passing throughout those environments just because of the ventilation and the work conditions and those type of things, right? Um, it was interesting. There was a, a report that was just put out about how, when that first sort of happened, they the CDC sends in their sort of team to figure out how best to address an environment where you've got a hotbed of um, possible uh, passing of germs and 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 issues that could be a um, uh, pandemic-like environment. And what happened in that is because because we're dealing a little bit with politics and we're dealing a little bit with with sort of what is the new role of work versus government and regulations. The, the regulations that came down after that sort of finding after many of those meat packs went through the, the process of doing an evaluation were kind of lighthearted. And, and I think you and I had talked about it. They were sort of, you know, the CDC said you might or you should be able to do this, which left HR. And, and there was many stories about how the HR professionals were very frustrated because they didn't have clear guidelines about how to keep their employees safe, left them responsible at the end of the day for making those decisions and how they should make them inside those organizations. So I think to your point, some of this, that this has now sort of been 
raised to a much more heightened environment is also because government regulations have also been sort of a little bit different in this environment too. And if if they're not going to set standards, HR has to then be the place where a lot of those conversations take place, and they have to have the tools and technology to make those decisions. It's really scary in that environment, and there's been a lot of conversations about that. So, yeah, no, I think we're talking about it more than we ever have, right? Wow. Well, I hadn't thought of that before. Are you hearing people talk about this? What you said was the government's abdication of its responsibilities for – setting standards for health and safety means that the workload of HR went up. And yes. I think, oh, oh, without I think, a doubt, I've heard it, yeah. Wow, because, because I bet a year ago you would have heard the government's regulations for health and safety cause all of the work in HR. Wouldn't you? <laughs> I would agree, yes. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, so, yeah. so what a weird thing, right? They cause all the work no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. That, that's our finding for today. Everybody, we're done. You can go home, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the end of the show. We just we just yeah. figured out that that uh, government is a self-licking ice cream cone. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I think you know this this idea of of health and safety has um, obviously we said because of the pandemic, but it has also um, created an opportunity for HR to reassess what their role is in this space. It's not just a compliance, it's a decision maker, right? Especially as we get more data available in this environment, right? Right. Well, you know, it, it always was. I, I think I think that's, that's another one of those things. HR always was a decision maker, but they could sort of blame it on compliance. Um, um, and And what we're seeing now is that you can't escape the the responsibility and accountability that comes from the position of being an HR. It is a, whether or not the CEO recognizes it, whether or not the organization loves the people in HR, HR is a primary decision maker in how work gets done. And that's emphasized by the last six months worth of crazy scrambling that everybody has had to do to make things happen. Yeah. And one of the other areas in this we were talking about is, is not just sort of how the decisions get made, but the tools you need to do the job, right? So we had a conversation last week about whether or not HR technology budgets were going to be going up. And you said they were going to be going up. I said, no, not from what I'm seeing in my data. But then we started to have a conversation about what we meant by HR technology. And, you know, my my research data oftentimes tracks, I would say, generally what we would consider traditional HR technology, HR applications, um, you know, the software that we all use um, and leverage to sort of track data and share data and do reporting and do our compliance tracking, um, learning and development, recruiting. You were talking about something a little bit different. Maybe talk a little bit about that, John. You're talking about all this other things that are now as part of this, this health and safety conversation, right? Yeah, well, whose responsibility do you suppose contact tracing is? Right. That's 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 kind of where you get to the question. Who's responsible for the um, person at the front door of the office building who does the health and screening check? This is this is HR's job. This is HR's job, ensuring that the company is safe. And that means that there is a host of 
everything everything from hand sanitizer stations to um, on the wall monitors that watch the distance between people to robots that clean the bathroom. There's health and safety standards that are necessary to make the company work. And there's there's some facilities execution of that stuff, but in general, the work and the data and the standards belong to HR. Who else would get it? And so so HR budgets are exploding with new touchless time clocks and monitoring devices and contact tracing tools, um, a lot of which are pieces of hardware. Um, and, and we haven't really seen the hardware part of the HR technology market emerge as a chunk in a long time. But technology isn't just software. And what's going to happen with all of these systems is they're going to provide data that needs to be assessed. And the companies that have invested in their um, network mapping products are going to excel. And all of the big legacy um, enterprise software firms like Workday, Oracle, SAP, even Ultimate Software, although it would be interesting to see how Kronos is handling this, um, um, are not are missing the boat because HR technology today is not what HR technology was a year ago. The priorities mm-hmm. have shifted in a very, very dramatic way so that first you make the hardware investment, which is everything you need to monitor the workplace to make sure that it's safe and everything that you need to monitor the remote network to make sure that people are safe. Um, And then the next layer is the data that you use to analyze the data that's produced by making everything safe, which you utilize to make the place better, safer, and healthier. Right? So there's this kind of Maslow's hierarchy. First is safety, then it's health, then it's development. And, and, and I think there's a kind of a hard 180-degree turn that HR has to make, and the technology market is going to have to shift with that. So, yeah. so we'll get to the other things, but they all have to have health and safety as the foundation of the entire HR execution. Well, and I think the other thing you're saying, and, and this has been something that I think that HR has been able, and HR software and applications have been able to sort of dance around for a while, right, is that all of these devices, all of this hardware is going to be in the work environment. It's going to be in, in a different way connected to our work than anything we've had previously. Um, it's going to be capturing data. It's going to be capturing uh, processes. It's going to be capturing activity because all that's necessary from a safety perspective, Right. And then we're going to have the ability to connect that data in a way we haven't previously. So there will be not only monitoring, which is creepy oftentimes from an HR perspective, but assessing, which is really the power of what we oftentimes think of as Internet of Things. You know, I remember when I first started adding Internet of Things to the survey, everybody kind of looked at me and said, oh, that's not really a thing in HR. We don't, we don't do that. And I'm like, well, it's, it is. Oh, yes, we do. Right? And so this is, I think, the next generation of what we're talking about, 
But it, what we're going to see is a dip in traditional HR technology spend while we start to figure out what this new architecture looks like built out of a mixture of hardware and softwares and Internet of Things connectors that all connect to this, right? It's very similar to what we saw in the manufacturing market um, just 10, 15 years ago as they started entering this space, right? Yeah, it's, it's so, so it's very much the, the HR budgets will go up, yes. HR expenditure on enterprise-related tools is going to go down. And that, that sounds like a paradox, but, that, but that's what the shift actually looks like, is, is HR spending goes up, but the money is being spent on different things. It's like, you know, to be a little bit, to be a little bit sloppy, it's like HR just bought a boat, and now the car is not going to be maintained quite as well because we're spending all the time on the boat and maintaining the boat. Yeah. yeah. And so I think what's happening also is that we're seeing, I mean, some of the stories that, that this week we may want to touch base on a little bit before we, we wrap up today, you know, really I think are in some reaction to this, we're seeing many of the vendors pick up new products, um, I think, to try and address this, right? Organizations like Paylossi is uh, picked up a new uh, video um, uh communications tool and are, are launching new sort of two-way video communications in their environment. We're seeing um, organizations um, like um, Outmatch um, Recruitment um, picking up uh, their uh, a product called Launchpad in this space. There's um, a lot of new investments in the HR technology space around um, areas where it connects to this kind of conversation, right? Um, like the the yellow announcement that we didn't get a chance to talk a lot about, but it's got like four different companies all sort of connecting together with this idea of sort of getting more data into the conversation. Um, I, I think we'll be seeing um, a nod to this in different ways depending on how these vendors decide to address it, right? Right. Right. Um, um... What's really interesting, I want to tell you about a company who didn't make our list. Let me see if I can find it here real quickly. Um, there is an MIT-based company. I don't have the name. MIT-based company that is trying to um, create a market for spontaneous video communication. Because, mm -hmm. because one of the primary problems that we're having from a productivity perspective is video communications and the fact that they are so cumbersome, right? Mm -hmm. eight, hour, eight hours of um, Zoom meetings a day is a great way to produce an unhappy workforce and get nothing done. Um, <laughs> and, and what happens when you do that, this is, this is, um, this is what humanize is finding. Um, in, in the days before COVID, um, Every worker had, on average, 2.9 large connections, people they talked to an hour or more a week, and had 40 or so second-order connections who are people you talk to 15 minutes a week or less. Since COVID, and because of video communication structures, um, the change is now people have six or seven very close relationships and only 15 network relationships and that mm -hmm. fall off in the larger network and the focus, this is exactly what it feels like when you're in all these zoom meetings, right? That you're closer to a lot of people and you don't ever get to see the people on the edges. And yeah. it, it turns out that organizations work 
based on the people on the edges. So you're going to see significant failure in companies that just rely on Zoom to duplicate some of the processes because it's not all of work. All of work is all of those little relationships that we don't know how to have right now. And so there is software emerging that's trying to make those little relationships easier to happen. Um, and it and it is a you might imagine that a really great HR initiative would be to have people who don't know each other very well talk to the hour a week talk to two people that you don't know very well who are one step removed from you in your network to try to keep yeah. those informal networks up and running. Well, and and we're not even we're not just seeing this from from Paylosti with their technology and like you said, humanized their HR specific companies. You know, Microsoft's big event happened just a week or so ago, and their whole sort of focus, it, you know, outside of some of the stuff they're doing with you know sort of the cloud and and that world, but the this from an application perspective was Microsoft Teams, and it was interesting. You know, I was reading through all the notes about what they were sort of proposing and what they're going to be launching, and Microsoft Teams is you know, and they've ramped up earlier than they had originally said. So coming out in October, in many cases, some of these things are, they're doing things like putting in a tool to allow virtual commutes because we, we've lost that time. Commuting may have been a headache, but it also was time to pair for work and, and sort of bring ourselves down from work in some cases. Those of us who've worked at home for a long time understand sort of how to do that. There's sort of a, a routine you build out, but a lot of people who haven't don't understand how to do that, and they're finding that that's causing um, issues with productivity. They're adding in the ability, I think, you know, you and I talked about this last week, they're adding in the ability, I'm not sure how this will work, though, to create what they're calling together mode in their environment that's going to be launched in the next few weeks, which is basically everybody can see everybody like you're in the same room in sort of this little weird visual of sort of, you know, teams. Um, not sure how that, you know, is going to go over. feels a little creepy to see my head sort of popped onto a virtual chair, but you know, the idea of virtual environments, right? Um, They're also creating the ability, if you're gonna do those kind of Zoom environments that you can kind of move around in space. You showed me this technology last week. I hadn't seen it yet. Looks like Teams is pulling it out where you can sort of be behind your camera, in front of your camera, small on your screen, big on your screen while you're doing, you know, sort of your Zoom environment. All of that I think is similarly to what you're talking about, right? Which is this idea that if I change the dynamics of this sort of virtual communication in a way that it feels more human-like, I'll get a better outcome, right? Is, is that kind of what you're talking about, or do you think it goes beyond that to actually the, the time and where and when you make the connections? So, so, so there's a couple of pieces there that I want to tug on for a second. I gave a talk to a large group of Indian HR professionals at 1 o'clock in the morning on Monday night, and um, um, what I told them is that where we are right now with video is where we were with PCs in 1980, uh, that, that if you want to have a vibrant career, whatever your discipline, you need to deliver the best video of anybody that, around you. And people who pay attention to that and start delivering high-quality video and start working on maintaining the quality of their video production um, are going to have better careers than people who don't. So that's the first thing. We're headed in, we're just at the beginning of the video era, 
and it is going to be the dominant reason that will get ahead uh, in the next five years. It's going to be astonishing to see what people do, and it's going to happen very quickly. So this time next year, we'll be talking about about production techniques that we don't even understand yet, and everybody will be talking about. Um, now, the Teams thing, you know, it's Microsoft, so I always assume that it's going to be a year behind or two years behind. Like, you can't use the latest video technology in Microsoft Teams. But there's another thing about Microsoft Teams that's really important to understand. It's bad for part-time workers, and it's bad for contingent workers, and it is bad for anybody who's a gig worker. Uh, because mm-hmm. Microsoft Teams assumes that everybody who uses it is full-time. And it doesn't have, right? So so if you yeah. are in a Microsoft Teams setting and you're a part-time employer, you're a consultant to the organization or something like that, there's this sea of stuff that goes on that doesn't include you. And so, so the consequence of having Microsoft Teams is that you make the people on the edges of your organization feel like they're not part of the organization. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's broken. That's not a solution. That's a mistake. <laughs> and, 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 and there's a lot of adoption of Microsoft Teams, but it's like I, I think I've told you my Winnebago analogy, that, we're, that we are wandering around the world in a, in, in a Winnebago straight out of Breaking Bad, and and we're getting so used to it that we think it's good living. And the truth <laughs> is, if you go if you go search the internet and find stock video about people having meetings, you'll cry at the level of communication that we no longer have. And so so Teams is like the Winnebago, right? And 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 it's got holes in it, the windows are busted out. Uh, you know, but it gets us around, and and we get fond of it because human beings are good at adapting to crummy circumstances. Um, but it's not worked the way we used to be able to do it. It doesn't produce value in the same way with the same sustainability. And um, I have significant doubts about whether or not Microsoft is capable of really understanding what's required. It's nope. a technical company, not a human company. Yeah, and I'll give you I'll give you some of that. I mean, but I will say that <laughs> I was having <laughs> the, the curmudgeonly side is coming out. I get it. And I truly understand because there are a lot of things that I get frustrated with on Teams. I mean, we use it, but I think and, – and I know a lot of teams who use Google and depends on sort of where, you're, where you've got all your products and stuff. But I was surprised by one, by how quickly they are jumping on this. And I do think they are trying to address your concern about the gig worker, the, 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 the people outside of your community. I don't think they're doing a good job of it, but they, they know it's a problem, which is, I think, it's a first step, right, in any, in any uh, challenge in your life. But, yeah, I mean, I think that it's hard to discount teams as, a, as well, it just doesn't work the way we want it to work because it is the tool that, so many organizations are shifting to for their communication platform, whether it works well or not. So if that becomes the primary tool you're expected to communicate with, if the Winnebago is what you've got to drive around and maybe we might want to fix it up a little bit, you know, some curtains, some windows, that would help a little bit, right? <laughs> so 
We can take a long time to just run with that. That's, that's, that's great. That's great. I think, I, I, think, I think you don't buy crummy tires for your car. You buy good tires for your car. Um, but you can, you can buy crummy tires and you can patch them up. Um, they're way more expensive than good tires. Um, yeah. That's that's the re- the really interesting thing is that cheap stuff is more expensive than expensive stuff. And, 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 and we it's should, true here and it's true everywhere. It is, it is. And we should know that the gig and um freelance and um you know contract community is probably only going to get larger versus smaller in the market. Although we did see a drop off a little bit as organizations cut some budgets in the area. But there is, people should be watching, the U.S. Labor Department um, has recently put out on Tuesday that it would soon propose a rule that would make it easier to classify workers as independent contractors, reducing some of the um, uh, regulations and compliance requirements. That's something to keep an eye on. Um, Now, they are not stating they are going to override, you know, uh, regulations at the state level, such as California, which has much stricter regulations. But I think it will lead to again more communi- more confusion in the market. But we're going to see um, an uptick in this space probably in the next several years as people start to sort of figure out how they can um, go back to work, but in an environment that's maybe freelance and gig, as that's the only option that might be available. Right. This this is going to be really interesting. I don't think that the government will maintain that point of view for very long because. The government runs on payroll taxes. The entire cash flow of the government depends on people being classified as employees and paying their payroll taxes through their employee employers um, on a regular basis. And if you open the aperture to say not as many people are going to be declared employees, what you do is hurt the cash flow of the treasury. And if you hurt the cash flow of the treasury, then the government can't perform its essential functions. And so so this is this is a flashpoint. It just hasn't emerged as one yet. It, true, but I think this come, this is this will be a flashpoint that will really make some some very things very clear. Is our government run by people who are um, making most of their money from large businesses who are basically lobbying them to have more business friendly roles? Or are they in business to ensure that we have enough finances to support the country, right? I mean, this is this is a real complex, you know, it's not a political issue here. This is a dynamic of, you know, if I am more sort of focused on, on what the big business needs, because that is who I feel my constituent is, versus what the community needs, that will could change that dynamic, right? And and I think we've been very heavily focused on big business um, outcomes the last several years. So yeah, I get what yeah, you're I saying. Might, but I, I might think. I might I might sure. spin that slightly differently and yeah. say, um, is the job of a, of a politician to take as much money as they can, or is the job of a politician to effectively um, administer the infrastructure in the society? And if yeah. big business is the government's primary client and and the people who work, who live in the country are not the government's primary client we're in for some trouble <laughs> we're in for some real trouble 
it's it, it it is the the constant seesaw we are on um, in in our in our environment in some cases, but um, there is I think from an HR perspective a lot of um, this is going to have an impact not just on sort of the regulations and and what you can do what you can't do it's going to have an impact on this for providing those services because they're oftentimes the ones that organizations hold sort of accountable to making sure that they can track all of the regulations and compliance requirements. So if we're now held accountable to 50 different state compliance regulations around um, uh, contingent labor laws, that will have a huge impact on the fact that you do need a software to track that because it's very hard to do that individually, right? So, yeah. It's like, what an exciting time to be in and around HR technology. Um, things are changing, and things are changing fast. Um, so tune in next week when we'll talk some more about this. Um, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, next thanks, week we'll, is... we'll get to some of the other. Uh, we haven't talked about where investments are going, and we're seeing a lot of investments going in learning and development, so maybe next week we'll do that. Yep. Yep, that that'd be a, that'd be a great conversation. I I am evolving the view that there are not really very many skills, um, and that's a that's a uh, that's at odds with uh, much of the current development to refine the details about millions and millions of skills. Yeah. Um, and and so so there's some inter- there's some interesting work going on there that we can talk about next week. Anyhow, thanks for doing this, Stacy. It's always a treat, and thanks everybody for listening in. Um, you've been listening to HR Tech Weekly with Stacy Harris and John Sumser, and we'll see you back here next week. Bye bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. <laughs>